All right, everyone, we are back and ready to jump right back into our discussion about, well, all of this foolishness. So we've got uh, Riri still with us. Yes, I'm here. Oh, absolutely. So actually, the issue is me. I don't have my headphones plugged in. So everybody, if I sound a little echoey for the first 30 seconds or so, that is why. Okay. We are plugged back in properly. Thanks for that, uh, Riri, because as soon as I heard you coming out of my computer instead of through my ears, I was like, I am not plugged in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You're welcome. Yes, yes. Okay. So now we, uh, we get to the point again, I think right before we went to a break, we were talking about how Meredith is tenuously reconciling her relationship with Jen. This is not to say they're ever going to be besties. Uh, Cause I, I think there's a certain point where it's not even so much uh, what happened. I mean, that's part of it, but also the fact that there was a gap for such a long time. And I think the fact that the gap festered for such a long time also Mm -hmm. speaks to how close were you really that you would let a gap fester for that long. So, you know, they're I think it's a combination of how long the gap festered and what caused the gap when you're talking and you're making constant references to them both having outside affairs and such. There are certain things that just, yeah, you just get over faster than others. Absolutely. And and let's face it, on most of these shows, it, you don't expect that everybody either went into it as real friends or hell, in a lot of instances, uh, at least some cast members may have never even known each other uh, whether really, really know each other or even heard of one another. And the hope is that if you get the right mix of people, they could possibly gel into something real or, you know, they just put on a good show. Um, it's always better, of course, when you have at least some core relationships because that helps to anchor your show, even, even if, not everybody stays over time. Like uh, going, looking at Atlanta, the core relationship between Nene, Kim, and Sheree, however messy the Nene yeah. and Sheree thing was from day one, there, there was an understanding that there was still a relationship there because again, Nene is the one who put it, uh, a uh, at least that core portion of the cast together, as in her and Sheree and Kim and and probably even Lisa, but at least the ones who were her actual friends, um, it was clear and that created an anchor for the show. Um, and, and it was and it was obvious because in season two where you get the where you always have a revamp because some people just don't work you know who your anchor is because they're still there. And the best way to secure that anchor is if there is a real relationship with them. We saw that New Jersey, uh, Teresa and the Manzos. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, 
LA, uh, I keep saying LA, but you know, I mean, Beverly Hills, um, Lisa and Adrian, but even more importantly, Lisa and Kyle, mm-hmm. um, Orange County, Tamara and Vicky. So yeah. you see it. And, um, who is it? Potomac, Giselle and Karen. Even yes. though they fight, they're still, yeah. yes. But they're the anchors of the show because the oh yeah you know, definitely it because they were nowhere near where they are now uh, in terms of their relationship. But it doesn't matter because they created the anchor in the beginning. Oh yeah, the same way with Married to Medicine with um what's the two doctors uh what's her name uh, Simone and Simone and uh, um we know who it is uh yeah, Simone and Doctor Jack. Dr. Jackie, exactly. They were the anchors of the show. They were friends for years leading into the show. And and it, it creates an emotional connection for the for the viewers because if or if something happens between them, uh, it bothers you as an as a viewer. Now that's mm-hmm. also gold for the network because if it bothers the viewers, then that means we're invested. Because yes. even though I am not a steady watcher, you know, other than just keeping up with the goings-ons through the various people on YouTube that I enjoy. Um, and so I wasn't like completely plugged in in terms of watching on a weekly basis to see the demise of the relationship between Jackie and Simone. Again, I know enough about it because of being an original watcher of the show and continuing to follow it, you know, adjacent by watching people's reviews that it still hurt to hear about that because we knew that no matter what other relationships were supposedly real, kind of real, you only became friends because of the show or you became friends on the show, which can happen because we saw that with Nene and Cynthia, um, Portia Candy and um, and Phaedra. Uh, because again, if you get the right mix of people, it's not like relationships can't grow. You become friends exactly. all the time. Um, but that one absolutely hurt. And even with Teresa and the Manzos, I wasn't as emotionally invested. And maybe it's just because, you know, we have a different connection with Jackie and and Simone as African-American women. They're doctors and we're professional women. And also of everybody else on the show, certainly Dr. Jackie in particular, they she's tried it certainly dr jackie has to stay above the fray so even if sometimes her being so like uh you know formal and persnickety may bother you i still appreciate that about her Um, oh definitely in terms of whether you like her or not at least she remembers who she is when the S hits the fan because the rest of you come on here as professionals, but the minute somebody says something you don't like, you forget all of your degrees and everything else and start acting like a buffoon. You know, say what you want about Dr. Jackie. She doesn't do that. It, it is real interesting that Mariah coined that into that famous phrase, I will not get down off my chariot and you were one of the first ones to do it fighting in the swimming pool. Yes. 
and your mama uh, jumped in and hit somebody in the head with a purse. Hello. Um, but again, uh, even with Teresa and the Manzos, while I may not have been as emotionally invested, just from a basic, like, someone having girlfriends. I mean, you and I have been friends, God, for what, over 30 19, years now? 30 years, <laughs> 1989, fall semester. Exactly. So it's still, you know, other people might not be invested in our friendship, but I would hope that uh, it would make them feel a little sting of sadness if, if they were like, hey, those were two cool chicks. And on top of it, my understanding is that they were friends for umpteen years and they let some stupid show and reality TV and whatever come between them. That's kind of sad. And, and it's I don't know how long Teresa and the Manzos were friends, but it, it, it was clear that they were real friends because definitely her and the younger one. Yes, um, Dina. And I think they're yes. kind of friends again. I don't know if they aren't friends anymore. I think that they, I, I, I think they're still reconciled. I think right now it's just a matter of the, of the fact that uh, the Manzos are lives, the, yeah. Dina lives on the West Coast. Dina's on the West Coast. Caroline just kind of separated herself from the show. Not oh, that yeah. they don't well, still... no, I don't think that Teresa and Caroline have reconciled at all. And, and, and I don't think they will unless it's business. And I, I think that Teresa was probably more Dina's friend anyway, even just from an age standpoint. Perspective, yeah. Yeah, you look at the ages of Teresa's kids versus Caroline and that pretty much, uh, you know, Caroline, you know, looks pretty good, but you look at the age difference between their respective children and you know that there's a big age gap. I mean, at this point, Teresa has a child just hitting 20 and Caroline's or 21 maybe Caroline's oldest son is probably only a few years shy of 40. Yeah, exactly. Her sons were in their 20s. At least one of them was. was yeah, no, both of Albie, Albie's the oldest and I forgot what the younger one's name was, Christopher. Yeah, Albie and Christopher. Was, yeah. Albie for sure was definitely in his 20s when that show started when Gia was like five or six walking on exactly. the runway because remember he had dropped out of law school. Mm -hmm. So he was definitely um, in his 20s at that point. Um, but anyway, off of our uh, housewives tangent, you know, if you listen to the show, it's going to happen, but at least you get a good uh, historical background. Okay, <laughs> so we know Lisa doesn't like the fact that they're making up and that's neither here nor there. Pretty soon, Jen's probably going to be in jail anyway. Um, uh, probably so. <laughs> you know, if if, if you make so. up with her, don't make up with her. At this point, just hope she puts some money on your books. Um, <laughs> then we have a whole segment that we're going to skip because it's about, you know, who she um, who shall remain nameless. Exactly. Yes. And the only thing that, and, and again, if you listen to part one, you know, that that has nothing to do with us excusing the things that Mary said, because if you've listened to this show before at any time before, you know, that it doesn't, but since she wasn't there anyway, we're just not going to give the other person any attention. Um, and the comments that Mary said, as it related to Jen Shaw, again, not excusing it, but even when that came up on the show, because there was so much other drama going on at the time, Jen 
didn't even really have as big of a reaction to it as the other women were hoping that she would have because as you and I were talking about uh, this afternoon, if recollection serves, that came up when they were all throwing each other under the bus at the faux party. And at that point, it was so much chaos going on. Lisa going into her, making everything about her rant and Mary ducking and dodging and just flat out lying and making it seem like she didn't say anything the whole time they were in Vail that, you know, that whole scene just went off the rails. And honestly, I would have been like Heather sitting on the other side of the table, just with a napkin up to my mouth, just cracking up like, girl. <laughs> the shit of it all. The and then, of all. Exactly. And then, of course, as we know, uh, Jen got up, walked away, and Mary was the one who went over to console her. Of course, she wished her being convicted accidentally but but (laughs) (laughs) technically since she was the went the one who went over to console her in her merry kind of way um again what they wanted what the other ladies wanted that whole thing between her and jen to give it kind of fell flat doesn't mean that mary wasn't wrong it's just a matter of them every time they brought it up because i think they brought it up twice every time they brought it up it was always in the middle of something else going on so it never it's it never got the reaction from jen that they wanted it to get and even when they brought it up last night without mary there it still kind of fell flat and i think for jen and and i refuse to believe that i'm mistaken about this i think for jen if she can let something go so that they don't talk about her case, she's going to. And exactly. so why trip about it? She didn't say it to your face. Of course, she is going to say that's not the way she meant it, which is pretty much the way she has handled all of her verbal gaffes this season. Uh, I'm talking about Mary. So it's, it's not really going to go anywhere because... Mary's going to say she didn't mean it that way. And Jen, best case scenario from you, anybody that says anything about your case, let it go so that they could just not talk about your case. Exactly. Um, Lisa and Angie's event, anything dealing with Lisa, you're going to get denials. And it's just a matter of whether or not she's going to have the big mega blow up where she walks out or something in between um i i think i I think this is one of those where how many different ways do we need do we need to have the evidence shown that in some form or fashion whether lisa made the phone call personally which i think is clear that she didn't and nobody's claiming that she did um but anyway, whether she made it personally or someone on her team made the call, that Lisa was somehow responsible for attempting to sabotage Angie's event, seemingly for no other reason other than the fact that Angie was not following her directive to stay away from Whitney, who she actually found out she's related to. Exactly. 
And I, I don't think that there's, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how many different ways we can do that. Of course, it's the reunion, so they're going to talk about it. But I mean, like I said, with Lisa, and she's going to still continue to deny it. So, yeah. And so with Lisa, it's just a matter of how big the tantrum is going to be. Um, but I do like that the fact that they brought up that whole thing about the inbred polygamous cousins. <laughs> Yes. Well, Heather was speaking up this reunion. I'm liking her so far this reunion because yes. she's not backing down. She's not letting Lisa over talk her and back her down in her talk. I like well, that. remember Heather, uh, you know, her, she tends to come through the reunions because this was her last year too. Heather, Heather comes in on 100 at the reunions. It's just a matter of whether or not she is uh, it's whether or not she's in the right or not, but she tends to come in hot at the reunions in terms of her temperament. Because uh, remember, this is what she did last year because her and Whitney came in tag team in all of them last season. Well, I love the I love their bond, and I pray to God mm -hmm. nothing ever breaks them up because I do like oh, the fact they're cousins. <laughs> I know we know it's going to happen, but I'm I, I I'm hoping it goes way far down the line because we're actually talking family members. So that one, even though I don't have the same bond, and I will say because African-American women, so I do deal, I do relate more to Potomac and Atlanta probably, but just the two of them with being relatives, I pray not. Yeah. But and also we know their happen. relationship is not as tight as some of the other relationships that we've talked about. We see Heather and Whitney come together in certain scenarios and, and they might back each other up when things get messy. But ultimately what we have been given um, it, when it comes to Heather is that Heather's main person and that could and part of that being close to Whitney may be um may shift and either they'll become closer or something else will happen as Jen is uh, is potentially phased out mm -hmm. but I think our connection to them is also not quite as deep not even so much because of um the the difference in our ability to relate to them because first and foremost you and I are housewives super fans regardless but i think it is because heather's primary relationship is really with jen not with whitney um it's nice to see them you know have each other's backs because if nothing else they are cousins but they are not cousin friends the way you and i are cousin friends with uh you know our respective since they're not on the podcast we won't say their names but their names but you and i know who we're talking about we're exactly yes, we're cousins but we're also godparents to each other's children that kind of thing that is not the relationship that these two have and it's you know there's a number of reasons um there's an age difference i don't think that they necessarily grew up together they're they're uh, really they're distant cousins um from my understanding um but yeah i mean no but still have each other's back uh for, and if nothing else connects you besides the fact that your cousins at least you can say that um, especially if somebody's gonna like Lisa is gonna be grouping you together to try to clown you. Um, and it's kind of and you know, 
just as a side note, especially when she says that inbred polygamous cousins thing, I'm glad that we are taking a little detour with that. Um, and everybody out there, listen to this closely because Riri and I talked about this before. Out of everybody on the show, Lisa is the only one who claims to be a current devout practicing Mormon. So aside from the fact that she's messy, she also has an alcohol company. She she also drinks, because remember, they addressed that in season one. Like, girl, you sell alcohol, you drink, whatever, whatever. And she's like, well, you know, she has an excuse for that. But putting that on the shelf, for you, out of this entire group, to be the one person who actually claimed and embraced season one, because notice it hasn't been mentioned season two, to be... And a, a, a current active Mormon, it's mighty interesting that you, out of everybody, is the is the first one, at least from what they have shown us on the show, to throw an obvious Mormon slur, uh, because using the terms inbred, especially in the context of polygamy and Mormon. Those for Mormons are, um, you know, and Lisa, I mean, I'm sorry, Whitney and Heather, since they aren't practicing anymore, they, you know, they were annoyed that she said it, but didn't take it as a slur. But for Mormons, I'm not saying it's like calling me and you the N-word, but it certainly is something that is scandalous because those are things that Mormon people are you know, don't want anybody to believe about them because of their history of doing what? Being polygamist. And of course, you know, the whole thing about this one marrying that one and whatever. So when you say to a Mormon something about being polygamous and, and inbred, that's a pretty scandalous thing for not only a Mormon to say, but certainly for them to say, as an insult to someone else. So I just, so what do you think about that? I mean, am I reaching on that? Cause I, I felt like, I think that's pretty interesting considering she's the only one who claims to be a Mormon in the group. Well, I'm, yeah, I, it did catch me as odd that Whitney nor Heather took more offense to it as even though they're no longer, no longer practicing Mormons, especially with Heather, the Mormon faith is still in her heart. She oh, it absolutely still, is. That's lived into that Mormon. So yes, that's why she struggles so much. So I was surprised of their lack of reaction. But, and, and it and could that's... also have been overshadowed. I'm sorry to cut you off, but oh, just really a... quick. I think part of their reaction, in fairness, could have been overshadowed by the fact that Lisa starts yelling all the time. And that's true, too. Because then she goes into, oh, my God. I'm like, oh, my God. And, and once she goes into, oh, my God, I can't. Oh, my God, I can't believe you're saying this. You're oh always, always, coming, always coming at it's me. Coming You're me. always coming at oh. me. Oh, you got to throw the oh my God first. Oh my God. Yes. You guys always, because everything starts with oh my God. So <laughs> maybe she throws the oh my God out. That it just shadowed that they would have had a reaction if she had given them time to react. But also too, to me, that statement gives the, it's not an overt 
racial statements, not using the N word. Well, no, but no. It's, it's like if somebody references watermelon and chicken to an African American. Exactly. Exactly. There you go. Like it, it's like I am deaf. Like I know if someone makes that reference, you know where you're coming from. Exactly. Oh, and speaking of that, got some tea because you know, guys, when you listen to the show, you get some extra tea because now, because right after this, we're gonna get into the Heather tea because if I recall correctly. To in order to kind of divert attention away from that, I do believe that this is where she tossed the DUI comment about yes, Heather, she did. Right? Okay, mm-hmm. so we're going to go one into the other. So, But just as a quick side note, I'm glad you said watermelon and chicken. Okay, how about today, and it's really interesting given how they look because of the whole colorism thing. So, on, so you know how Giselle and Robin, the Green Eyed Bandits, had Bandit. their show yes. um, uh, Relatively Shady. shady. Reasonably shady, shady, yes. Mm -hmm. So in this week's episode, they, for uh, I don't remember why they start, because I don't listen to them on a regular basis, but then someone sent me the clip and then I had to go back and listen because I wanted to put it into context before I made a comment, even though sometimes when you say foul stuff, is there really a context? But okay, (laughs) I was still trying to be nice. Because I was like, if I speak, somebody going to come at me. So I went and listened. No, it doesn't change a thing. So they they were talking about James Harden because, you know, he's gone to Philly. And da, 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 so he's big in the news right now. Yeah. And they started talking about his beard and how they don't like his beard. Okay. I mean, people have beard about whatever. Girl, why did they start saying these two green-eyed bandits who how many times have been accused of colorism? And yet, going to sit on the show talking about this brown-skinned brother with his natural hair and his beard that's also very thick and curly. Say, that beard, you could tell it's got some some uh, chicken grease in, in some, um, and some and probably some watermelon in it. Girl, yes, they did. And then all said, the references they could have said. I'm not done. And I'm not done. Oh, and you know it God. smelled like weed. And yet, <gasps> now people going to say we racist. But they kept saying it. Yes. But then the, like they're, they're no better than Juliana Rancic Ron- Ron- when she said that um, well, who was named Zendaya looked like, like she smelled of weed and patchouli. Smell of weed and patchouli. Yes. And she took hell for that. And how many say years you- ago was that? And you in 2022, this is the only, you could say that you don't wow. Beard without saying you could even say with a beard like that i'm not surprised if it'll have crumbs in it because you crumbs know, in it but yes you eat food, crumb drops chicken chicken grease watermelon watermelon and weed wow and weed, girl if multiple that's not- times and acknowledged that somebody was gonna call him a racist and double down on it uh, see, and you tried to like them because honestly, I have a love-hate relationship with both of them. I don't just, there's certain times when Giselle will endear with me, but then it's times like this, these statements that she will make and will double down, which I give credit if you want to say at least, hey. say what you mean, mean what you say, say I'm firm in your word as you're walking in your but talk. But that's the problem with it. You know, our, our boy Funky Doniva, I know where that came from. But the Yes, problem, that's my phrase. But the problem with that is the reason why Funky Doniva says that phrase is because usually it's within the context of somebody not standing firm in what they when say. When they're going backpedal. Because you go, 
backpedal and pee pop because <laughs> you want to say what you got to say. And the minute somebody calls you on it, well, well, well. And, you know, and of course, in relating that to Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, that is the essence of Madam Lisa Barlow. If you go on, backpedal if, and if, if, if you go and take the HBIC role, then you got to take everything that comes along with it. But again, if you want to say it, you got to stand firm like NeNe Leaks. I said what I said. But the same, but the difference is again with Nini and and Lisa um, Vanderpump and others, mofos are not supposed to see your schemes coming. Now, eventually, if enough of them jump off, you may get caught. But I should not be able to see you coming, so I could either dodge it or if you still hit me, I know it's you that did it. Well, Lisa, you we see her setting it up, setting up the pins, running away, putting the bowling ball in your pot in, in, in front of you, giving you a push to push it down the lane and then standing there dancing when the pins fall down. Well, we didn't say that she was meant to be. A, everybody is not meant to be a boss. Everybody is not meant to be a leader. It's not because she she feels she is, but not for lack of trying. <laughs> but not for lack of trying, but everything ain't for everybody and every role ain't meant to be played. And again, if, if, whether you're going to do it covertly or overtly, just be able to take the heat that comes with it. Because with who it. knows, maybe she's not trying to be covert. And we mm. and, and instead of me always saying that she's trying to shadow produce, maybe I should take the word shadow out and just say she's trying to produce. But the bottom line is whether you're trying to do it in the shadows or you're trying to do it out in the open, you got to take the you got to take the heat when it comes because it's coming. Because whether well, it's that's on the front end or the back end, eventually folks are going to figure out it was you. You're not dealing with a cast of thousands where they got to go around and figure it out and do whatever. It's not like my son in third grade hacking into the school computer system where they ended up having to go to the cable company. No, it took them a good week and a half to figure out that it was him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not proud of that, folks. But, you know, it's relevant. <laughs> but honestly, I, I agree with that. But that's where I'm saying I'm basically chiming in or agreeing with you that when she gets presented with it, I at least give credit to these other people that said, yes, I said that. I said what I said. I did this or, yeah, I did that. And they, But they'll give a reasoning of why they did it, that they feel there was no problem with it. Oh, I didn't take it like that. I didn't see it like that. She sits here and gets uberly offended. Mm. Oh, my God. Why are you all – why does everybody come at me? I'm the bad guy. Oh, she loves to do that one. Oh, because, yes, that's right. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Yeah, so don't sit there and play the victim. You stand firm with it saying, yeah, I did that. Oh, well, I didn't see it. Oh, I didn't I mean, take it that way. I wouldn't have been offended. Especially if you don't think you're wrong, then, hey, roll with it. Or with if, it. if and you just are like, you know what, right or wrong, 
I am trying to make a good show because we know that some of them do that too. Certainly that's what Nene does. That's what, um, that's, that's certainly what Lisa Vanderpump does or did. Um, you know, there's several of the Mariah Huck, uh, especially considering that she initially started out as one of the producers on the show, part of Kenya Moore. She knows what her job is. And if, if there is anybody that's a prime example of knowing what their job is, it's Kenya Moore because unlike Mm -hmm. some of her other, uh, castmates and former castmates, like a Nene or a, or, or a Portia Williams who, who are, we have seen evidence that they are basically the same person in real life as they are on the show, if not worse. Kenya, on the other hand, has a completely different reputation in real life than she does as it relates to the show. So it is, if there is nobody else that um, is walking proof of knowing that they have a job and they come to do it, it's Kenya. Mm-hmm. I will um, agree. So at any rate, Giselle is a second. Uh, Giselle's a close second, though. Giselle knows her job. <laughs> yeah, she stirs well, a pot she, too, and she knows she stirs no, she a pot. No, she knows her job. But as far as um, anybody who would say that there is like a total dichotomy in terms of who they who the person is on the show versus oh, yeah. who they are in real life, and I'm not saying that Giselle is the same. I'm saying that we don't have as many people, at least in my personal experience, as well as people I know personally that are close to them that make such a strong distinction the way that they do with Kenya, because we've even seen Candy like you know, really double down on the fact that, um, you know, she has to remind herself of who Kenya really is as a friend because of some of the things that happened on the show and that that's really not the person who is always there for her. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and and again, not saying that that isn't the Giselle situation. We just have not seen as much evidence of that as uh, other people who strongly defend uh, Kenya and like I said people who I know personally who have been in her company but um and it's not about being a Kenya stand or whatever as I said we are speaking on just what people we know have have said to us but um at any rate I think two things that uh Heather said in uh in when we started really getting deep into this is probably what led to Lisa throwing out what I consider to be a lazy dated read but something she clearly was holding in her back pocket in case she needed to use it first was when Heather pretty much taunted her and said everything that you try to do fake like pretending that y'all have this and have that Angie actually has and we have enjoyed the fruits of that by rolling around in uh on the on her actual yacht that she actually owns for her birthday what you know basically like meanwhile you know you essentially telling Lisa she liked them folks outside the club leaning on other people's cars taking cars pictures. yep <laughs> and she also said it was a re- it was a good read but clearly a rehearsed read um that we know she couldn't wait to say it but I'll give her three out of five points for for saying it because it was still cute when she said when Heather said Lisa that Lisa was fake and that she did like her 
but she only likes her when she's being authentic, which several people have said to Lisa. Um, but not when, uh, but not when she's being someone who read an article in a teen magazine when they were in eighth grade about how to be a mean girl. That was clearly a rehearsed read. Um, it was it was cute, but clearly rehearsed because Heather's yeah. not a reader. Heather is again one of those people whose reads tend to be accidental in the sense that either in the moment during a scene or in a confessional and again not unlike mary so you know i say the same thing about heather as i say about mary when she's in a confessional or sometimes when she's cornered and she just makes an honest statement but what she says just ends up being a good read even though she may not have necessarily meant it as one that's when you get the most authentic stuff from her that tends to be kind of funny um and the same thing with mary because most of Heather's, what we would describe as reads, even though they're accidental, usually they're funny because they catch her in a profession, in a confessional, just commenting on something because it is rare when Heather or Mary don't have a confessional that there's something that they say that makes me laugh. With Mary, a lot of times it's, the, you know, how she says it or when she says things like she has no depth and puts the emphasis on the P to let you know that she doesn't know its depth. Um, you know, but anyway, that's when Lisa throws out there, and now we're going to get into some tea. She throws out there that, uh, uh, that Heather had a DUI. So you guys, this, I didn't even give reread the, the behind the scenes scoop on that so we could get live reactions from everybody. So this is the scoop on that. Cause of course, everybody ran out to find the information and you, and by the time I tell the story, you'll understand why I think it's a tired and delayed read. So in 2012, Heather did indeed get arrested. Now, listen very carefully to the language. And remember, you're dealing with a lawyer here. So everything I'm going to say is not in the defense of anybody. I'm going to give you the facts, especially the way a lawyer views them um, and a defense attorney <laughs> on top of that, because that's what I am. Heather was charged with a DUI. So already problematic in terms of you're bringing up something from 2012, way before this show that had nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but okay. It's too th it, uh, and that you probably knew about and was just holding in your back pocket when you felt like you were desperate and needed to use it, right? Because we know everybody investigates everybody, especially when they're trying to get ready for a reunion. And since she has always hated Heather, there's no way that she didn't know this information last season because it's public. It's, it's public uh, record. The only so we're talking about something that happened nine to ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yeah, well, nine years ago, I guess, when they recorded this in December yeah. 2011. Yeah. I mean, 2021. Yes. So we're talking about something that happened and was resolved uh, ten, nine years ago. Okay. Um, and again, because we know how she felt about Heather from day one, there's no way she didn't already know this and probably goes into the narrative of why she referred to her as a party girl. So see, all the pieces are coming together. So 
anyway, she was charged with a DUI. She was pulled over. Um, not really sure of the circumstance, but the bottom line, she was pulled over. The officer said uh, he smelled alcohol on her in the car. Your typical uh, DUI situation. Now, it is not clear from the information that she did any on the scene uh, tests like, you know, finger to nose or anything like that. But since she admitted to having a couple of drinks and I think she even had already told them in advance, even before they did anything else that she had had an Adderall earlier that day that um, they went ahead and took her in. Probably in part, in, in part because of the mention of the Adderall, the fact that she said she'd only had a couple of drinks, um, they did both a, uh, a breathalyzer, which she blew um, a 0.06. And um, I know, let's just give me a minute. She blew a 0.06. And then he took it a step further and did it had a blood draw done which came back you know probably weeks later because you know in doing this it takes a minute um it came back from the lab uh positive for amphetamines which we for an amphetamine substance which as we know is an active ingredient in Adderall because Adderall is an upper um so um it's not a barbiturate so at any rate when it came time for the case to go to court, Heather's attorneys, uh, obviously she had a great attorney. And again, remember at that time she would have been still married and she was married to a millionaire. So of course she had good counsel. Heather's attorney um, filed a motion to suppress the, um, the blood draw as well. He should have that um, saying that the officer um, basically that they overstepped. They, you know, in layman's terms, they did too damn much. Um, and, um, and probably argued they had no probable cause, blah, blah, blah. But the bottom line is that they did too damn much in getting, uh, in doing the blood draw. Um, the judge agreed with them and, um, and threw that evidence out, them being left only with the uh, 0.06, they then reduced the charge to a reckless driving and she was given 180 days with 178 suspended, but that 48 hours was commuted to 100 hours or, or something to that effect of community service, a fine and a class. And, and again, none of this is, uh, you know, out of the norm. I mean, because again, you know, you have people go, oh, that's because she has this. No, all of this, I'm okay, telling you from an attorney. I just want to backtrack absolutely real quick. Normal. What, her blood, me, her breathalyzer came back as 0.06. Yes. And I'm about to get to that in a moment. Okay. okay. So <laughs> that's how the case was resolved. So people are like, Heather is a liar because when Lisa said you were arrested for a DUI and Heather said, um, I think she said something about, no, I wasn't read the court, read the court papers. I think is what Heather said because of the chaos, I am going to give Heather the benefit of the doubt on this one in that she, while she was arrested for it, she was not convicted of it. And for me, if 
I was arrested for something 12 years ago and I wasn't convicted of for it. And I know that in this moment on this show, you're trying to get a soundbite. And what you really want people to think and believe is that I was basically convicted of being a drunk driver. Then I'm going to deny it too. And we'll just have to argue about whether or not we're splitting hairs because at the end of the day, Yes, I was arrested for it, but I wasn't convicted of it. And I'm not going to, in this moment, when we don't have time for me to explain the whole thing, cop to that because the soundbite takeaway is that even though we said arrest, what is everybody going to think? Conviction, of course. Exactly. So now your questions, love your questions. And, and I'm, I'm just going to wrap it up in a neat bow because we're not going to belabor this. You are absolutely right in getting stuck exactly where you were on that .06. In 2012, um, Utah, the state of Utah was like probably at least 50%, if not a little bit more, of all of the other states in the United States where the um, where the legal limit is uh, 0.08, or that's mm-hmm. that's the point where that's that's where you don't want to be 0.08 or better. 08. And yep. and this is coming against. I'm, I'm explaining this to you as someone who's probably defended if a, conservatively over 300 DUIs in in my career. And again, I'm being conservative with that figure. So at any rate, and in a state that is very strict and uh, also has a 0.08. So at any rate, in 2012, Utah's legal limit was 0.08. Now, just as a point of reference in case anybody tries to uh, claim, I don't know what I'm talking about. When you look it up, make sure you look up what was Utah's legal limit in 2012, because in 2018, Utah became the toughest state in the United States by lowering their legal limit to a ridiculous 0.05. Oh my goodness, that's one exactly. Drink. Basically, especially if it has hard alcohol in it. Yeah. But at least in 2012, Utah was like every damn body else, and it was a 0.08, which means if that whole amphetamine situation let's 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 splice it up or i'm going to bifurcate it in legal terms and put the amphetamine piece to the side which i'm going to come back to but let's just splice that out for a second if she had been pulled over and and uh they did a 0.08 i mean a 0.06 on her and she hadn't admitted to taking the Adderall earlier and then of course him uh, doing the test because of what she said, that charge would have been dropped down from the jump. Either the officer would have never charged her with a DUI in the first place, or as often happens with many overzealous officers that I've dealt with, they would have charged her with a DUI knowing that it was going to be reduced to what we call a wet reckless, which is It is a reckless driving because obviously there was some driving behavior that you were exhibiting that made me pull you over in the first place. And it may be due to the fact that you did have some alcohol in your system, even though it wasn't enough to make you legally drunk. That being said, that charge was going to be reduced anyway. The only thing that held things up 
is the fact that because of what she said, being honest, because like most criminal defendants, they don't know when to shut the hell up. And she gave unnecessary information because obviously if I say I smell alcohol, if you choose to tell me that you drink, that's the only thing you need to be telling me. Not what else you did the day before, the day of, whatever, whatever. Because as we know, if you do a, a blood draw, you could also see that I had weed in my system, but I also could have smoked that weed two or three days ago. All of that put on the shelf. That charge was going to be reduced anyway. Why? Because it was a simple wet reckless. And I, I am in no way... uh advocating drinking while driving or whatever i'm just giving you the legal standards so did heather gay get convicted of a dui was she charged with one yes should she have been probably not was she convicted of one no the whole thing about the adderall and that piece getting thrown out good lawyering did their job that's exactly what should have happened under the circumstances and her punishment is exactly what typically happens in a standard situation most counties have a standard situation and what they do even in virginia a first offense dui under the most simplest of circumstances, 0.08, you still lose your license. You have to have now, because they made things harder, you have to have um, a, uh, gosh, um, it's late at night, guys, so my brain is just gone. But anyway, you have to have the apparatus put on your steering wheel that you have to blow to get in. You've got to go to the class. You have a fine. Um, you know, your license is suspended. So you, and there's condition, only certain conditions upon which you could have in order to have um, a restricted license for going back and forth to work, back and forth to childcare, et cetera. And, and even if you have that restricted license, you still have to have the apparatus in your car in order to blow in it to drive. And all of that is just on a first offense. And, and you all, you don't go to jail, but you have time hanging over your head. So I say that all to say that these offenses, depending on what county you're in, not even the state, but every county has their own sort of custom, if you will, for how uh, the charges are going to be dealt with, and not just DUIs, any charges. That's why as an attorney, especially one like myself who practices in several different counties, I've got to kind of know the lay of the land in terms of what the different prosecutors in different counties do um, under certain circumstances, even for the most basic and standard of charges, because you know it's really a matter of local custom and preference. The end, there's Heather Gay, is not the big bombshell that everybody is going to try to make it for clickbait because I've already seen that happening all over YouTube and everywhere else for um, the day. There you go from somebody who has nothing invested and unlike all these other people has an actual legal background. Boom. Boom. <laughs> so any questions <laughs> but you no had a great one i was like i knew you were sitting on the edge of your seat like what the 0.06 i'm like give me a second <laughs> yep because well again without telling too much of myself you know i'm familiar with laws yeah. and as such Absolutely. with what i do professionally so exactly. i was like wait a minute wait a minute um exactly i knew it was killing you <laughs> i'm like why was it once we you said 0.06 
case yeah. done. That's what I'm thinking. Like, where yeah, did the, why it, it really was because but she, she gave basically too much. She, she gave did too much. too much. Where she gave too much, and again, this happens all the time. This is this when people is get what, nervous and start running their mouth. They don't know how well, to shut up. Just this is what makes people like myself's jobs harder. <laughs> because and I'll ha- and it's one of the first things I'll ask my client. Did you say anything? No, no, Miss Scott, I didn't say a word. And lo and behold, as soon as I get that darn police report or heaven forbid the video, and I'm just like shaking real? your head <laughs> for real. I mean, how many times do I have to tell y'all about the client that I had that swore she didn't understand why her landlord was at the courthouse testifying on behalf of the prosecution in her case involving the laundromat she used to work at when I'm like, uh, does the man own the laundromat? Like, why would he even be in your business? Well, because the heifer pay her rent in quarters. Yes, that really did happen. Mm. yeah see you don't remember that because that was like literally one of my first cases way back when i was a public defender so we're talking like almost 20 years ago but yeah and mm, i know geez. i called and told y'all that foolishness i do remember it now you said it. i didn't remember it until you just told me i do remember that she yeah. paid in court Pain yeah in that kind that kind of the reason why real life is way better and more far more foolish than fiction folks i mean when you watch those world dumbest criminal shows those are my people everybody okay. has their people those are my Every, people. everybody deserves a right to representation but some of them you shake that's your head why I do that's what, what i'm I do. saying and i firmly believe in it those are my people so, <laughs> but anyway uh, last two quick things, because again, by the time it went off, we were pretty much into uh, season two's unmasking of, of Lisa Barlow. And we know that that's going to continue because we really haven't even gotten into where we all want to see this go. Because exactly, which is the whole situation between hot mic. her and the hot mic moment, because mic. compared to literally everything else that happened other than the whole like veil thing i mean there's some there's still some good stuff for them to get into well they mentioned the hot mic but they didn't focus on it because andy's not ready to go there yeah because we know that they're going to give that like a whole like thing they're Um, they're going to start it next they're going to start it in, in part two but they're not going to drop they're going to drop enough of a bomb but they're going to yes. stretch it because part three that's going to be the crux of part three exactly, it's going to be like it's going to be like atlanta when candy was like phaedra you're the one that told her that the lies the lies exactly. and then part three and we know part three either either a sort of a break in the action in part two or the very beginning of part three, we're going to get the husbands. And of course we know yes. the husbands are going to be there because of that teaser. They keep showing of coach Shaw, which we know isn't going to go anywhere because again, his wife is charged criminally and yeah. he certainly can't say anything because if he says that he has questions then he looking at a subpoena. So you know, and, and I mean, yes, there's spousal privilege or whatever, but I won't waste you all's time on that. The bottom line is he doesn't he ain't gonna say, say anything. He's not going to say anything because yeah, I agree. Even if he does is no different than it would be no different than Jen 
saying, well, my attorney told me this or my attorney told me that because then he would be breaking spousal privilege by sitting on national television talking about conversations between him and his wife and what he knew and didn't know. Because if you go and talk about that publicly, again, you can't then turn around and go to court and try to assert spousal privilege because you have effectively waived it by talking about you and your wife's uh, understanding of her situation on national television. So just like they showed us, and that's, and again, we, you and I are like TV veterans, whether it's reality show or anything else. And we know that just like they showed Coach Shaw looking all whatever, and of course we're supposed to believe that it's some aha moment. And it really isn't. He looked like that because that's literally him looking like Andy, you know, I can't say anything. Exactly. That's, that's literally all that is going to happen. Or he'll give his standard, I support my wife, and, you know, that's the end of that. He knows his role. And we, uh, again, have to remember that, like Meredith, by the way, a lot of people don't know who is a former attorney. Coach Shaw is a former attorney as well. So, um you know, uh, which is interesting, especially under the circumstances, especially interesting that they do not mention that. And even more interesting that he, of all people, would not uh, would allow her to do this show because he knows just as well as her lawyers do that it is not a good idea. But that goes to um, a monetary issue. This is yep. her, um, I think that Jim doing this show is twofold. One, definitely arrogance because you could still do the show and not run your mouth as much as you do. Or in two, um, money because, uh, filming for the show was literally almost over by the time the Jen situation happened. The Jen situation happened uh, the third week in March, they ended filming around the first or second week in May. And we know that because Cameron died in June and is never addressed on the show because they had already stopped filming when he died. Right. Cameron but, who? Cameron, oh, Cameron. The, the guy with the whole situation with Mary, um, you know, Oh, I didn't know he passed away. Oh, Girl, you you missed the episode that see that was one of the episodes that you didn't do with me and Missy. Yes, because me and Missy uh, dove into doing some research to see oh my uh, how he died. Yes, Cameron. How did he die? Apparently, he. We're assuming that it was a recurrence of um of a brain cancer or something along that. Oh he, my he, god, he, he had an illness. Um, and it wasn't new, like apparently he had been sick before. So it was pretty easy to sort of put two and two together. Um, but uh, because we looked up like, you know, his obituary and everything like that. And of course, you know, sometimes people will say how a person passed because they want you to donate to the cause or whatever. And sometimes they won't. They didn't. But pretty much what we were able to put together from Missy and I's own research, as well as just other, you know, other sources I follow and stuff because we knew that he had been dealing with a longstanding illness off and on. And the fact that, I mean, Cameron's a pretty young guy. He's actually younger than all of these women, except for Whitney. Cameron was in his like uh, early to mid thirties, which is what makes the whole situation with 
uh, Mary and the church even crazier because remember, he said he hadn't been with them for what, like three or four years. But before that, he was with them for like seven years. So he was pretty young when he was all wrapped up in the situation with them and supposedly having an affair with her, according to the uncle and, um, and actually according to, you know, what, uh, he allegedly told Whitney as well, but that's, but that was part of the whole story. That's part of what made the uncle's interview that was aired three days before. Remember that the one I sent to you, that when he was on that show on YouTube and said all of that stuff and said the thing about call me God and that whole thing and the, them supposedly yes. messing around. Okay. Um, so th that interview aired about three days before the reunion was supposed to be taped. That's why I don't think that the whole her not showing up thing was just um, a matter of, oh, she didn't want to be around these women. Well, she probably didn't, and especially given that additional bit of information. Now, we don't know if they knew it, but I wouldn't want to take that chance if I was her because it was bad enough, the stuff they were already saying even before that. So anyway, back to, so yes, Cameron is deceased, but in the, oh. the, the point that I was making is that as it relates, you know, we got into that because of the whole timing and the way that this was filmed. Okay, so Jen was arrested around the second or third week of March. And then remember, she was kind of off the grid, understandably, for about two weeks. That's obviously when nobody spoke to her or whatever. So now we're already into April. There was only about another three or four weeks at the maybe five at the most with pickup shots and confessionals that they did after her arrest, which is why, A, they didn't get as deep into it. And that's why I keep telling people when they're like, well, why didn't they, uh, the way they went after Mary, why didn't they go after Jen Shaw and whatever, whatever. And I'm like, because a lot of, you gotta, it's just like the Erica Jane thing. You have to make the separation. And I know that's tough because so much information comes out before the show starts airing. You have to make the distinction between when the show was filmed and what they knew at that time versus us seeing it now and what we know now. We know a lot more about, well, and, and knew, quite frankly, we knew a lot more about the Jen Shaw situation by the time the show began to air, like by a million miles versus what they knew in that last few weeks of filming because even in may and june her attorneys were still going back and forth and fighting with the prosecution and filing motions to dismiss and whatever and arguing about the fact that enough you know that they didn't provide enough evidence you know enough on her indictment they didn't really understand what she was supposedly charged with and whatever and um you know, so there was a lot of information that was still being dissected because I think even I, I did several episodes on it. But one of the ones that I did where I had the most information that I could like fully break it down in the court records and whatever, it was practically June. I mean, I've done several episodes regarding the case, but I think other than when I initially reported on the arrest and the basic stuff that was on the Department of Justice site. Everything else where it got really deep was like June. They weren't taping anymore. Um, but anyway, so long short, all of this, we're going to get into...
So everything is pretty much wrapped up at that point. Like I'm looking at my notes. The only thing um, that was left is um, I said, Jen is saying the footage. Oh, who cares? The crap about being invited to the Fresh Wolf party and Lisa and her. My son was like, you're a good mom. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. I mean, you know, I'm a mom. I'm not gonna, you know, get into a pissing contest about whether or not somebody's kid thinks they're a good mom. The only thing that annoys me with Lisa in that is that everything with her is so performative and so geared towards making her look good that even if she has the most amazing, fantastical kids in the world who are so much better than all the rest of our kids because they walk around on a regular basis reaffirming their mother and making her feel like queen of the universe, it just comes off performative and self-serving, especially when half the time when she's saying it and using it in a context that doesn't even make sense relative to what they're talking about. Exactly. Okay, so you got into an argument with Jen Shaw and so your son's way of consoling you because you had him able to listen to you having this argument when you simply could have just gotten off the phone and if you were driving in the car like you said then you were probably on speaker so Mm -hmm. you're sounding extra crazy um so you have this whole melee in front of your child when you had already had one in front of them the day before at the photo shoot so that's not about jen at that point that's a choice you're making and somehow all of that is resolved by you getting off the phone with your son and him reaffirming you as a mother when the argument between you and Jen was you mentioning the designer that she's in a fight with on camera. And by the way, kudos for Whitney to having her receipts in um, clearing her name and further showing that Lisa was being messy just for the hell of it. Again, it was one of those moments because Lisa was shouting. It kind of got lost in the mix. Nope, I heard it. But I know what you yeah, heard it say. Yeah, kudos to her for clearing her name. Like, no, when I made that arrangement, it was before he aired you out. Once he did, I was like, uh, arrangement over, whatever. You ain't that important. Because again, yep. it is... Other than, I mean, because, and no shade to the guy, but really the dress she wore last year at the reunion was ugly. So other than the tapes coming out about her yelling at you and stuff, and she was dead wrong for that. But other than that, nobody would know who you are. And I don't think any of us know who you are since, unless or until you're going to sue her and then we'll have those court documents to go through. Last but not least, and this is quick and dirty, not as complicated as the Heather thing, uh, the judge in Jen Shaw's case sent a word to the attorneys that he wanted to see them today, in fact, 
to deal with the possibility of her case being continued. No fault of any other parties, simple court administration. And, uh, and, and not even so much to say, I am going to continue her case, but to address the fact, um, and Jen Shaw's uh, attorney had originally asked about this in January, to address the fact that there were two other trials scheduled right around the same time. And essentially the information from the judge was that these other two matters have to be have to go uh, be started and completed so sounds like if they're criminal cases maybe there's some speedy trial issues or something mm-hmm. and that um in the event that it runs into her court date then obviously then obviously hers is going to be moved and if it is it'll be sometime in the second quarter but of course as we know second quarter would would only mean that instead of it happening on March 21st or 22nd, I forget which day it's supposed to start. I think March 22nd that instead it would happen sometime between April April what is second okay first quarter is January February March, March. so second quarter would be um April, April May, May June. June so it wouldn't even be a long continuance it's not like um when the case was continued last August when they continued the October date all the way to now so it's it has nothing to do with um you know any it has nothing to do with her really at all is a court administration issue. But what does have something to do with her because we haven't been, we haven't talked uh, Jen Shaw or housewives in a few weeks is that the last remaining defendant in this whole scheme did take a plea. So at this point now, every single other person of the group of 11 has taken a plea and is available to be state's evidence if uh, if need be as it relates to this case, which means, you know, layman's terms, if need be, all guns pointed at Jen Shaw by the mofos that she allegedly did this with. She is, a, she is officially a woman on her own and let's not forget as i think i did explain to you before the two additional charges against stewart which bumped which is what bumped up his possibility to 65 years instead of just 50 like hers is because he also pled to two additional charges of perjury related to allegedly lying for her so it's not even a matter of them being defendants standing beside each other. Two of Stewart's charges are specifically related to perjuring himself related to her. So very interesting that the continuance is not a big deal, but the developments with these uh, co-defendants, very big deal. <laughs> so... At any rate, that is where we are. You got some, you got some law class. You got the wrap up of uh, reunion part one. And quite frankly, I think we made this way more interesting and much more out of this reunion <laughs> than it really was. I apologize to you all. This interview, I mean, this uh, review and and discussion gave even more than it should have gave because the episode certainly didn't and that's not to say that it was bad 
Again, I'm not on the whole Mary bandwagon. Oh, since Mary wasn't there, all hope is lost. I, you oh, know, no. I just didn't think it was all that, you know, I mean, it, but it, it, you know, it wasn't bad. It's just the whole Lisa thing can be a bit annoying because she's so one note in terms of the yelling and the foolishness. Oh um, my God. Why is yeah. everybody coming at me? Oh my God. I don't and, understand this. And I, I don't and I, understand this. Exactly. <laughs> and I got to take a point away, uh, maybe a, a point and a half away for the fact that not only should they have edited the segment out with the other person, but based on what now that we have seen it and saw that it was literally compact and that whole discussion happened within one commercial break, not only should they have done it, it looks like it would have been easy as hell for them to do it because it was one compact segment. They came back from a commercial and then it was all her and a little bit of the little comment about Jen and the whole Mexican thing. And then they and went to commercial. So they, could they addressed- literally cut that entire piece. They out. did Thank include you so her. Much, they also include her into the minion thing. So maybe well, yeah, because of the minion. But we know that there's some things they can't cut because she's within the discussion of other stuff. Of a I group. Mean, yeah. We know that they can't cut her out because she's literally sitting in the middle of them on the couch. Um, which on a, as a quick side note, I found to be odd because as we know, typically your reunion seating is related to your importance on the show. And I, and I get that, of course, as they sat before, you got Lisa and Meredith on one side and the other ladies on the other. And of course they put Jen Shaw next to Andy, which quite frankly, they really didn't have to. I think Meredith should have been next to Andy, but, um, and that's no shot against Jen Shaw, but I mean, really other than her arrest, there was, she, there really wasn't much to her storyline this season. I mean, she had some explosive moments, but it wasn't consistent. Um, so I don't think she should have been in at the end, but I would not have been mad if she wasn't next to Andy. I think they put Jen next to Andy again for the, for the purposes of clickbait because of her case. But if you're really looking at it from a storyline standpoint, Jen should have, um, it should have been Meredith on one side, Heather on, I mean, Meredith on one side, definitely Lisa on the other. And then Jen could have been in seat two on whichever side, you know, probably next to Meredith since they didn't really have any beef anymore. I think that make the problem was because Bravo knew that they had provoked Meredith as it related to Lisa, they shot themselves in the foot in terms of where they had to sit Jenny because Jenny, from a storyline standpoint, should have been on the end opposite Whitney. But because they had to separate Lisa and Meredith, Mm -hmm. they sat her between them. So, but that part notwithstanding, I don't have an issue with the fact that she's part, she may be a part of conversations that are going back and forth, but the segment about the uh, things that Mary said um, to said to her, that entire segment from the coming back from commercial to going to the next commercial, that literally that entire segment could have been cut out and it would have been less drama with the 
oh my God, why did they do that kind of thing? I can't defend them on that. That was just really stupid on their part. It was almost like they gave us that disclaimer at the beginning to pacify the audience about the fact that they didn't recut the episode as opposed to giving that explanation at the beginning and saying, this is why we recut the episode. So if it seems choppy, this is why. That is but what are, that explanation should have told us. But are you surprised when it comes to Bravo and Andy? I am not Andy? surprised at all. With Bravo because... and Andy. Let's not say not well, Andy, no. but Bravo. Yeah, and I'm not surprised too because let's face it, you do, you know, it, you, it's still, it. people watching and being angry and the controversy is still people watching. Yep. So, and, and you know, that's really, you know, that's, that's the business. Um, but at any rate, uh, I still think it could have been two. So I got it. You're going to lose points for that. So on our five point scale, I got to give them a three because they're going to lose. Uh, they're losing for me because of the, the seating and not cutting her segment. And then they're going to lose it. The, the, uh, at least a half a point or three quarters of a point for me that I was going to take away from them from the jump because they didn't need three episodes and definitely if it was recut. So they get a three out of five. I'll give them a three out of five too, as well. Mine is just, I I feel like they started, they started okay, but they, it kind of started a little slow. I know episodes are uh, part two and three is going to be a little more explosive. It, they are, but remember what always happens with uh, part two and three. Part two is going to have some slow moments too. They come back hard in three. Um, and two is going to end hard. Two is going to end explosive. Yeah, so that's when they're going to probably. Yeah. Yeah. He was going to start slow and they've got, and, and it's not like they don't have some good stuff to work with because they still, if they deal with it, of course, they still have to deal with the whole drama on the bus. When Jen first got arrested, then they got to mm-hmm. deal with the Jen and Lisa basically Second coming on the to physical fight. Yes. They need to deal with Vale because that wasn't just about the uh, the stuff that Mary said, because Mary only said a few things at the table. Meredith showed her entire ass the entire time in Veil, from being in the bathtub to acting unbothered when she got the news and staying in the bathtub to all the stuff she said at the table and the jury robbery and whatever. So while we're team Meredith as it relates to the Lisa stuff, uh, Meredith definitely showed her behind in Veil. Now she's being all peace and love and stuff to Jen right now, but whatever you was going, whatever you had going on with your family didn't have nothing to do with you acting straight out in Veil. And I'm not mad at it because it made for a fun episode. It made for a very good TV. Yeah, no, and, yeah, I, and it made for a fun side of her because I, to me that was the first other side of Meredith. I know people like Meredith, and I'm not hating on her. She still is kind of one note to me, but we definitely got to see a whole other side of her. And if Meredith is going to get me on her on the side of saying, you know what, I kind of like her, that's the kind of episode that does it for me. Because she wasn't ghetto, she did. She wasn't clowning. No, she let you know she had some clown in her, but in a good way. That you know, in that, um, if she was classy based clowning, to again, she was classy based. She was unbothered, and the unbothered was made it more fun because it was like she would just throw off like a little. 
It wasn't little sly shady stuff, but she was just throw a statement out, but it wasn't it was like the tub for it, me. It was wasn't vindictive. Like, it wasn't it was just like, oh well, I guess when things happen like this, it just happens. Mm. Yeah, and it was the tub. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, just yeah, the tub itself, Mary talking to her in the tub. I'm like, this just just the scene in itself, but okay. But she was just very, very like once the information came to her, it was just like, okay, and I'm still enjoying my bath. Exactly. So and that I'm was still that enjoying was my bath. Funny. Meanwhile, that water is probably ice cold because we know. Oh, it had to be as long as she was in that tub, unless she kept running hot water every ten minutes, and we missed it. Because remember, she was still in the tub when the other ladies got there. Yeah. Yeah, that was hilarious. But anyway, so they they have a lot of stuff to deal with. It's just yes. a matter of of how they deal with. I think. Um, you know, some wasted opportunities and it's just all a matter of how they put it together. But again, plus you know they, Bravo likes to stretch it out too. So well the, well they want the they want the content because yeah, so none the of the parts. others none of the other Sunday night housewives ready to go. We're not gonna get um Potomac of course until late summer. They have released a date for Atlanta. I can't remember what it is, but it's definitely not gonna what I suspect is gonna happen is the end of Candy's show will be the beginning of Atlanta because Atlanta's taping has officially ended. It ended this weekend with, interestingly enough, a Sheree fashion show. And there actually was fashion. Some fashion? Oh, yes. well, at least Dwight can't say how dreadful anymore. How dreadful. Sheree a has A fashion finally, show with fashions. <laughs> well, her joggers. I don't... <laughs> so... Well, how long did it take for the joggers? But God bless her. She put something on the runway. I'm exactly. okay with that. So anybody who wants to see it, a lot of the ladies posted a bunch of video on... Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to have to... Yeah, especially Candy, because, you know, she's really good about posting. Candy supports everybody. She does. Yeah. Um. Apparently, it seems like all of them were there except maybe at least one castmate wasn't there. I want to say it was Candy, Kenya, Drew? and maybe Drew, I think. Okay. So then they um, were missing. Uh, what's the um? What's her name? The came Marlo Sonya and, and Sonia. So they definitely didn't say her. Okay, now so that, Sonya was I, that would have stood okay. out to me. Definitely Candy, and I'm almost. It was either Kenya or, or Marlo. One of them was there, and one of them wasn't. But okay. definitely Candy and Drew for sure, because they mm. can't both Candy and Drew put stuff on their Instagram. Um, okay. And also it stood out because Candy, again, was supporting people when she was giving the shout out to Sheree. She also was like, and everybody, don't forget, Drew just had her movie on Lifetime. So Drew was definitely there. So but anyway, y'all, we are going to go. Everybody, thank you so much. Remember, you can support the show with Cash App and Venmo. That information is in our info box, as well as all the ways that you can contact me, follow me, and go to the FNDD and get in on our daily fund. Although today I was neglectful and didn't put up any tea, but I, I will double down on some tea tomorrow, uh, especially because we've got uh, Married at First Sight Wednesday. And, and yes. of course, if you have iTunes, please go on there, leave us a review, five stars, make sure you subscribe 
everywhere, everywhere where you listen to podcasts so that we can continue to climb those charts. You all have been blessing me so much on iTunes. I had no idea the number of reviews that we had on there. And one week we even peaked at 178 out of the gazillion podcasts on iTunes. And I know that may sound like much, but if you all uh, don't sound like much, but if you all knew how many podcasts existed in the world, that is like unbelievable for little old me. So thank you all and uh, continue to just enjoy what we do because I'm going to continue to bring it with you. Coming up as promised, the Tinder Swindler and Anna Delvey, we're going to talk about where privilege, money, and the proximity to it all collides and it doesn't work out well for pretty much people like you and me. Both of them are fine. So we're going to talk about that. (laughs) And thank you very much, Riri. I hope you're going to be on that show as well. She's catching up on the show. She's watching Tinder Swindler now. So (laughs) we're going to talk about all of that and more. So... Have a great one. And here's our little jaunty song that we like for this show. (laughs) 